Welcome back to the podcast. Today, story time. What We're gonna, know, huh? Oh my God, you're a man with many stories. I have a lot of stories. I think we have a lot of stories, especially with the track record that we've had. But, you know, this is a job and industry that, you know, you're going to get a lot of stories from. Some good, some bad, some scary. Yeah. Some that you no don't kidding. want to deal with, right? But I think talking about the stories in this format is good because it allows us to kind of get it out there, but also it allows for any of our listeners to kind of connect with what we're dealing with as well, too. 100%. I think this is an industry where, really, if you get any real estate agents or lenders or all of us together in a room, all we do is talk stories about what's happening in our business, like constantly till the end of the night, can't stop. Like war stories, right? You know, a lot of us we have the scars to bear too, right? That's right. Then everybody's trying to one up each other on like yeah. how bad something was or how great something was, and you know. But ultimately, I think what we learn from it and what hopefully our clients can learn from it is that there is success happening sometimes through a lot of shit uh, on the way. Yeah, I and think sometimes you gotta sift through that, right? I mean, kind of part of it, particularly now. Uh, particularly but there's, now. But there's, you know, some good, good good, takeaways from these stories. Well, and I don't think that running into these sticky or, or sometimes scary situations is a bad thing. No. I mean, when you're going through it, it's rough. Right. But I mean, that's what's gonna cut your teeth, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, 100%. That's what, that's what gives you the ability to draw on these conversations with other clients that you have going forward just go show hey i've been here before exactly so i guess we're gonna do like what's that disclaimer they give at the beginning of all documentaries like the names and the locations have (laughs) been changed to protect the identities of those involved so you know these will be loose we're not going to name anybody specifically but uh, we are going to go through some real world examples that you and i have been through recently um so maybe i'll kick it off if that works for you yeah please do all right Recently, I've been working with, this is one of my favorite couples I've actually represented in the last couple of years. They're a ton of fun. They are first time buyers. They've been looking all over sort of Lincoln Park, Lakeview, then on the west side. And, you know, so we we had our conversation uh, in February. They knew what they wanted. They knew where they were looking for. It was like the perfect client for me. And actually we had that rare scenario where first house we toured, they knew. Like we walked in, they were like, this is the one. This first house. First house, yeah. As a real estate agent, I was like, ting, that's like a dream come true. I like to say that we need an easy one every once in a while, right? And it happens, yes, right? You've yes. seen it, I've seen it. People buy the first house they walk into. So that's great. We got the feeling down. And I mean, by the time we left showing number one, they're like, you know, decorating with furniture and planning their welcoming party. So I'm already backtracking to try and figure out how we can win that multiple offer situation, which was inevitably going to happen. Uh, and meanwhile, they very much already had the cart before the horse, if you will. Yep. We made an offer, yep. made a strong offer. I mean, significantly over list price which, uh, to the to the tune of right now. Almost, almost necessary in some deals. I don't know. I don't want to advise everybody to overpay, but I am seeing that more and more the conversation starts at list and is going above. Correct. Depending on the scenario. So they make an offer. They make an offer like ten percent over list. We get a response from the seller saying. Very strong offer. We understand your interest. Would you be willing to do an appraisal gap? And I, I uh, embarrassingly, at that point, I was like, I don't even know what that is. I've never made an appraisal gap. I just promise up front. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it, it's new, right? I mean, is this something, if I would have told you in 2019, I wanted to use an appraisal gap clause, would you have just like logically known what I was talking about? I mean, I would have thought you'd be making that up. 
Yeah. Right? And I mean, it truly, I mean, I have never even heard of it until maybe two or three months ago. Right. I guess maybe just backing up what an appraisal gap clause is. So you're agreeing up front to cover a certain amount for the seller, right? So maybe you can just walk me through, in your opinion, what's the fundamental value of an appraisal or why are we doing it in the first place and why is it important? So an appraisal is a third party verification that we're getting, that what we're paying for, right? We're checking the valuation of the property, whether right. they're looking at comparables, other sales data, or obviously, you know, what's going on in that marketplace, right? right? As a lender, we're going to go off the lower of the appraisal or the purchase price, right? So if we do have an appraisal come in under the purchase price, that's the number that we're going off of, right? But obviously in your negotiations, you guys have settled to that price. So the seller obviously wants that price. However, we're not willing to lend on a property that's overvalued, right? So then there needs to be some type of give and take here, right? Whether right. it be the buyer comes up with that difference, the seller comes up with that difference, or what we often see is a combination of them both, right? They meet somewhere in the middle. Well, and in a traditional world, I think people are used to, okay, legitimately missing on appraisal is always a concern. It can happen in any deal. Correct. If it does, both parties approach it, we figure out a logical in-between or middle ground or whatever that looks like, and we find a path to proceed. Exactly. I think that is what my clients entered into this thinking. They knew their offer was strong. They knew they were overpaying to some capacity and they were okay with it because it was the right house for them. But they, they weren't exactly willing to commit up front to how much they were willing to overpay, right? They, it was almost like not knowing where that appraisal was and then trying to true that up against what the value was going to be was too much for them to comprehend compared to the seller who... I mean, they were asking us for a $35,000 appraisal gap coverage. Well, I mean, and put yourself in their shoes. We have two first-time homebuyers spending more money than they've ever even thought of. Right. And now yeah. we're throwing something into the mix. Just on the down of, payment, right? Like, right, right, right. That's kind of an unknown. So buying a house is daunting in and of itself. Right. But then you add on the, the, the risk, or I guess the unknown of not knowing where that appraisal is going to come in at. And then also signing on the dotted line that you're going to cover said shortage. Right. I don't blame them for, for being a little hesitant, right? Who wouldn't be? Well, so here's where this gets complicated. So strongest offer on the table by far. We're, we're the leader in the pack in terms of dollar value on the table. But we're unwilling to meet this $35,000 appraisal gap coverage because, you know, my clients are thinking about the down payment they're going to give plus the $35,000 on top. It's like that math is just astronomically more than they entered into this conversation planning on spending. It's a lot of money. Right? And it's only in the worst case, right? There's always a chance it just appraises for the value we thought it would and everything works out. Yep. But we knew it was a risk and the risk was too legitimate. So they, they didn't meet the 35 grand. They agreed to do a $10,000 uh, $10, gap and we lost. Lost. We lost. So the home went under contract, yep. dream home, they're crushed, like cancel the parties, cancel the furniture. Yeah. like. So now we're back on the market, you know, we're, we're hunting again, which to their credit, they didn't get um, discouraged. We just jumped back in there. Too, I mean, right? even I was feeling a little like, damn, we, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not sure we could have done that, that one. one. Yeah. Like, yeah. So we go back in the market, we're hunting again. We're actually actively negotiating on another property. It's about a week later, I get a call from the list agent. And the list agent says, have your clients purchased anything yet? I think there's an opportunity for them to re-engage here. So now I'm like, you know, holding my breath. I don't want to overpromise, but we're already negotiating. How do we come back and forth here? What we ended up doing is we focused on the negotiation we're in while allowing that, you know, deal A to kind of fizzle as it did. We yep. always told them we were a backup offer a call if anything changes. It did cancel. Changed. They called us. We got back under contract. 
We did have to do an appraisal gap clause. How much? This was only 15 grand okay, though. Like so they it. saved the 20 grand there. And sure enough, appraised the property it. under appraised. Oh. Sure enough. So the property under appraised by about $25,000 less than where they had made an offer, roughly. Okay. And they had only gave to an appraisal gap of 15. So they actually ended up winning in the deal. They saved 10 grand compared to what they would have paid. Because the seller came back and just because took the that seller had, Because the seller had negotiated that. Because at that point, they did, the value's there. We know what the home's worth, right? Right. right. Well, so I guess there's kind of some good there, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was like a lot of pain and you know a lot of confusion in the middle and a lot of renegotiating at some point. But ultimately, my clients ended up spending roughly, I mean, they spent less nets on the home than they thought they were going to. Yeah. The out-of-pocket change they thought they were going to spend ended up being less than they thought it was. So, you know, everything worked out. So, way they're homeowners and they got their dream home, right? Everybody's Which, happy, right? Ultimately, that's what it's about here. Happy right? endings only. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it took a while to get there, right? I mean, uh, assuming there were some sleepless nights and gray hairs. Can you imagine? Right? And it's just, I think the hardest part about all this, and I struggle with it all the time, is that this isn't in our control. It's not in the buyer's control whether the seller is going to see value in your offer. You can do everything in your power to make it as valuable and attractive as you can, except make them accept it. Absolutely. You know, and that's really where it falls flat sometimes. And I think that kind of, and I don't know if you were meaning to do this, but that kind of segues perfectly into my case. Of course I was meaning to do that. Right? I figured, right? So similar to your clients, right? I had a client who was actively looking, they needed to buy, mm -hmm. okay? And this was a, an individual who in the lending world, we'd say a top tier scenario. Okay. Oh, okay. 800 credit score, 20% down, DTI under 25. You know, I would lend this guy the money if I had. Like the dream clients, we're gonna have nothing in our way on our runway to buy a home. I'd bet my 401k on these guys. That's the way we wanna be. Okay, and Excellent. to give you some perspective, okay? And similarly to a lot of people out there, there was a lot of swings and misses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was a lot of properties that they liked, that they were interested in, mm -hmm. that they put offers in, but they ultimately got bullied out, right? Whether it be an investor with a lot of cash, whether it be someone like your scenario that offered a larger appraisal gap, they were just constantly losing big deals. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously, similarly to your client, we found a dream house. Okay. One that we really liked one that we went in much over list. We were very, very confident that we were gonna win this. As you should be, right? Like dream buyer, find the house, nothing in the way, make the nothing offer you wanna make. Way. Again, I would bet my 401k on these guys. Right. Okay, in terms of their ability to get lending. They lost the deal. Oh, okay. That's so crazy. Which ultimately they lost the deal to someone who is maybe five to $10,000 more than them in price. Was it a was it a cash offer that they lost to? Was it another financed offer? Cash. Was it cash? Cash. So, you know, my client came to me pretty upset, right? Hey, Derek, listen, you know, in terms of the lending, I'm as solid as they come. Yeah. I'm following my real estate agents, you know, guidance when we're submitting offers. I can't win. You know. Well, and you know, cash is like that. I don't know. It's like throwing an Uno reverse card into a negotiation. It just changes everything around and now nothing makes sense because cash throws everybody off their game once it's on the table. And it's worth saying this wasn't the first time that he lost the cash. Okay? Yeah. And that hurts. It hurts to do it more cash, than once, right? right? And Particularly because how's he, if he doesn't have cash to be a cash buyer, you can't 
become a cash buyer necessarily overnight, right? I mean, it's just, there's no winning. So, and it gets better. Okay. Oh boy. The struggle is real. It gets better, (laughs) right? So you brought up, you said, hey, what can we do to be cash, right? I can't turn this guy who needs lending into a cash buyer. However, I can take out just about every single hesitation of using a lender to make them appear as if they're just as solid as a cash buyer. I think, yeah, I mean, if you think about, that is the value of cash, right? I mean, at the end of the day, if you have 275 on a cash offer and 275 on an offer with a loan, the net to the seller is exactly the same. Correct. Nothing is different. Same exact thing. Fundamentally, the only difference is risk. It's all risk. Right. And what's our risk? We need a loan that we need to qualify for. We need an appraisal that we need to hit our number at. Right. Right. This is for the loan backed offer. Correct. Right. Correct. Correct. For my for my guy who's bar- who's borrowing the money. It's gonna take thirty days to do it and underwrite 30, it and close. 30, and... Maybe forty five days. Right. right. Versus cash, you can close on the spot, no appraisal, you know, like it's just it's There's you, no the bank and yeah. Right. Yeah. We took a look and said, Hey, how do we get rid of some of these speed bumps? Right. Right. So what we did is we had his approval underwritten, right? Right. So we underwrit his pre-approval in that he was already committed to a loan, okay? Prior to going into the offer situation or any offer situation. So we've already reviewed his income, we already reviewed his assets, we already reviewed his total file, and then underwriter approved that file. So now along with his his pre-approval letter, we're also submitting a commitment letter as well too. Interesting. Now this, I guess you and I talk about all the time how people refuse to turn in documents, like just refuse to turn in documents. Yeah. Sounds like this would be a situation where the importance of turning in documents comes into play. In, right? <laughs> and mind you, that, that whole process took under a week. Right. Okay. So here, we took out the underwriting aspect of the loan. Mm-hmm. Okay. We still have the time and the appraisal that we need to worry about. Right. Okay. Since I had the loan underwritten, we can close this thing in a matter of two weeks. Okay, so we've taken the time taken out the because time it's pretty out. underwritten. We've taken the underwriting scenario out. Now, what about the appraisal? Because we just appraisal. talked about, obviously, the concern. And that's obviously a huge item right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Okay? Houses are going up and above. The data is outpacing the demand for them. Mm-hmm. It's tough to run an appraisal right now. Right. Okay. So that was a huge thing with cash, too, that we were trying to battle. So I now have a system that allows me to look up properties before we're under contract to see if I get an appraisal waiver. Interesting. Backtracking, what an appraisal waiver is, is when we're doing a home loan, we're running a decision engine, which will spit out an approval on that loan. It's also looking at the collateral or the property to say, hey, what kind of valuation are we placing on this property? And are you just using like whatever data is publicly available on that property, surrounding properties, market value, et cetera? So if the property itself has more than enough data around it, okay, there's a lot of comps, it's been sold recently, or there's a lot of of places on the market that are close, okay? And the file is strong, i.e. we need 20% down. We can get what's called an appraisal waiver upfront before we even buy that property. Interesting. Yep. So all I need is a property address and the loan amount, and then we can look up to see if, no pro- if a property will get that appraisal waiver before we even submit an offer. So if you are looking at a property and let's say you're in a competitive situation, you know or have a feeling the cash is there, you could actually help package up something beforehand that would say, 
you know, this applicant is underwritten and this applicant has an appraisal waiver, the combination of which, I mean, essentially presents as cash. Cash. Wow. Because what we've done is we've taken out all of the hesitation, or I guess the unknown of the underwrite and the risk from the seller standpoint. We've removed the appraisal altogether. Right. And we're to be able to do it in just a little bit of time as well, too. The next offer that individual made, he won. The next Finally, offer he made, right? Probably right? felt good. Because again, we came in and we battled against cash as a finance deal, but we were so bundled up and we were able to basically waive all the stuff that would call, pose any risk. Right. We were, right. A ca- we were a cash offer at that point. Yeah, you that's know? good. So it took us losing a couple of them to package it like this. But that was a really strong way for him to come in to any offer. Hey, I'm already approved. I don't need to run an appraisal. Let's close this thing. Right. Gosh, it's, it's amazing for me to think about the fact that you can be so perfect in terms of an applicant sense, right? If we look at you on paper and your likelihood of getting a loan and your, your likelihood of buying a home, it's so easy. And then you go through the actual steps and it's like, wow, this is difficult. It's a bummer. Yeah. You know, like, cause here they are and it's an emotional process. Too, right. right. Oh I mean, man. It's draining. It's draining. You love it and you want to buy it and Hey, you could buy it, but you can't. Right. Because someone else beat right. you. Right. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, I mean, it, it's great that we had clients that were able to kind of persevere and win some. Yeah. But it just goes to show you how creative and maybe how you sometimes have to piece these things together in order to win. Yeah, you know, I, I think, and maybe that, that kind of brings me to the last story, and I, I wasn't even thinking of sharing this today, but we'll get one more for everybody today, why not? So um, you'll, you'll probably remember this. I, I like to think of this as the surprise bankruptcy story, um, uh, okay. very early on in our working experience. This was one of our first deals. One of our first maybe deals our first together. Deal. It might have been one of our first, first deals, yeah. yeah. So um, we just talked about perfect client, perfect buying situation, can't get it done, right? that's not really true for all buyers. And there are certainly people that have really unfortunate things come up in the process that may or may not be within their control. And that's exactly what happened here is um, a really good friend of mine was working through the buying process, working to buy a, it was a townhome in Chicago and we got under contract. We start going through the underwriting process and all of a sudden, surprise, bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. And I'll never forget when Derek called me and said, you know, there's a bankruptcy in his history. And I called my client and, and had a conversation because I, I have no idea what you're talking about. And that's usually one people know about. You would think, right? You don't right? have a bankruptcy that you don't know about. And so at first I'm thinking, is he lying to me? Is he hiding it? Is, is there any way possible he wouldn't know? And then I asked you the address and we said it out loud with him. And I'll never forget that was when it clicked to him that that bankruptcy was his college address yeah. that was associated with a family member's name. It had been in his name as well. He was also on the lien. The lien had stopped being paid. All of a sudden, he has bankruptcy against his name. Which he had no idea about. No idea. And there was, I'm sure there were notices sent, right? Had to have been, but not to him or not directly, not to his address. Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, it was just extremely unfortunate. Yeah, right? just terrible. And unfortunately, it happened, what, two, three weeks into the deal. So now we're supposed to close in like less than two weeks. We found out there's a bankruptcy on file. I mean, most lenders, I think at that point would have been like, okay, we're good done. luck, yeah. you know? We're done. Uh, I, to your credit, you stuck with it because I think in that situation, how did we get through that? I mean, what, if there's a way to explain it in, in a logical way, how did we solve that? There are some lenders out there that will cater 
to some of these, you know, maybe stickier deals, right? right? That may have had a bankruptcy or have had some credit situations or some credit issues where they can't really qualify for your standard finance and your conventional home loans or FHA. Right. right, getting creative in the opposite way, right? Not an ideal buyer, but a less than ideal situation, but equally as creative. Correct, and I mean, let's call what it is. These aren't gonna be pretty interest rates, right? right? The, 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 the product is usually gonna come with higher fees, but at the end of the day, we use these as vehicles to get into the property. Right, So yeah, if the goal is to acquire the property, everything else be damned. There are solutions that will help you do it. Absolutely, so luckily enough, we were able to find someone who would do the loan. And see, that's incredible. And I remember how much that meant to him, how much it oh, meant to us. Up, I mean, right? yeah, we got to close a lot sooner than we he thought. He didn't even care that the interest rate was maybe two points higher than he yeah, expected, right? Right. right. But, and that kind of goes into the next point is all too often people look at these as if it's a 30 year product. Well, I was going to say fast forward in that situation, we then went through interest rates going through the biggest dip they've been through in ever, what, ever. and <laughs> ever. he was able to refinance into a great loan product in like yeah. two years. Yeah, you not know? even. I think he was just about a year and a half in and yeah. we refinanced them. Right. You know? So moral of the story here is that, you know, if you don't think that there's a product out there for whatever situation you're dealing with, there very well could be. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, those are called brokered loans. I have about 10 or 15 institutions now that I'll use and shop with. And I mean, we may run into these a handful of times every couple of years. Yeah. But it's nice to have those products there in these instances. There's a, there's a skit that's been going viral on the internet. It's talking about how you only need two or three friends to get you through anything in life, to help you conquer the world, conquer countries. This is a comedian that's doing it. And that's what I think of in these situations. I think too often buyers forget that you have a team through this process. You've got an agent with you, you've got an attorney with you, you've got a lender with you. Uh, and we're all here to make you successful, to make you look better and to create solutions for whatever problems arise in your process of buying a home. Absolutely. So I think the more uh, you work to be in alignment with your team and the more effort you put into making that team stronger in a unified front, the more data you give to make that team stronger up front, you put yourself in a position to win. And that's really all you can do in a crazy market like this. Well, I think the team aspect, it could not be more important right now. Right. Right. I mean, how often do you have someone that might be using a lender that you're not aware of that you can't even get a hold of? Right. You know? Yeah. Or you can't get a hold of them come Saturday or Sunday when you actually need a letter. Right. You know, the, the, the teams are so very important right now. And it kind of goes to your point of, we should be looked at as more advisors than anything. Right. right. You know, hey, you need to take my advice on how to handle this situation or what kind of loan product we should go with, because my end goal is to get you in that property. Right. Yeah. So if that's what we want to do here, you know, we're, we're kind of the people that should be getting you there. Right. Right. Wow. Stories. I tell you, we'll do more of these. I think we got stories for days, but. I, I, uh, I can fill up a couple hours. With yeah. I can show you that. It, it's pretty good, though. I think starting off, well, well, we hit an we hit a bankruptcy, we hit an appraisal gap clause, and uh, we hit pre-approval and waived appraisals, all within 
one conversation. Now, the stories all started kind of bleak, a little sad, maybe a little depressing, but you'll notice there was a happy ending here too, right? But don't all stories start by slaying a dragon? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to overcome some kind of hard story? Or, you know? We're basically a Disney movie. That, that's a gripe. Yeah. Home buying is just like a Disney movie. All right, well, thank you for tuning in. Like, subscribe, follow. We are now live on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It grew up on Google Podcasts. So, I told um, my mom that. It's kind of a cool deal, right? I told my mom that. Do you feel like you made it? I feel a little bit? She couldn't put anything on the fridge, but <laughs> you know, she's definitely pretty excited. I, I will that. send your mom a Spotify <laughs> magnet for her to put yeah, on the fridge. Spotify <laughs> Apple fridge. <laughs> we appreciate you watching. Thanks, we appreciate guys. the sport as always, and we're looking forward to more content. See you next time.